Welcome to the First Prez Podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. Our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Prez at firstprezcos.org. Well, it's good to see you in the house of the Lord. We're in this uh, unstuck, if I can get myself together, we're going to go into Psalm 40. We're in the Sunstuck series looking at Psalm 40 line by line, and we're at the end now. And so I invite you to open your Bibles, uh, turn in your Bibles, turn on your Bibles. Let's get to the Word of God together as we're looking at the very end of this psalm. And we've got, God's got something for everyone. He's got something for every one of us in this room. And all those in the sound of my voice who are tuning in on live stream, wherever you are that you can't be here, we're glad you're tuned in. And we want to turn to the Word of the Lord. And as we do that, let's open our hearts in prayer. Lord, as we think about this psalm, Psalm 40, we think about the opportunity that we've had to meditate on it these past weeks. We're just grateful for your scripture, for the truth of this psalm, for the reality of it, for the grittiness of it. Lord, for the ways that that it allows us to speak to you openly and honestly. And we thank you, Lord, for the power of salvation that is made present in this, your word. So be pleased to speak to us today, Lord Jesus. By your Holy Spirit, in your name we pray. And the church said, Amen. amen. Psalm 40 at verse 14. Hear the word of the Lord. May all who want to take my life be put to shame and confusion. May all who desire my ruin be turned back in disgrace. May those who say to me, aha, aha, be appalled at their own shame. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who long for your saving help always say the Lord is great. But as for me, I am poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my help and my deliverer. You are my God. Do not delay. Amen. I've heard it said that life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond to it. You ever heard that? I was thinking about that saying this week, and I came to the conclusion that I have no idea what that means. I mean, do you? You know, what is that really, uh, 10% of life? I mean, what are we measuring? Um, And how do you get these percentages? I mean, I don't know what that means. But I do know there's truth in the fact that there are some things that we can choose and there are some things that we can't choose. We can't choose not to go through hard times. We can't just choose not to go through pain and suffering and, and valleys of despair. We can't choose not... Uh, you know, to go through a, a job loss or the tragic loss of a friend or, uh, or we can't choose not to get cancer. I mean, things just come at us in life. Life is hard. But what we can choose, what we can choose is how those things sit on our hearts, how we respond to them. Last week we sung this uh, hymn, both here and in the sanctuary, the choir sang it. It's a hymn that we sing all kinds of at memorial services. If you've been to a memorial service, you've probably heard somebody singing this hymn. It's that hymn that says, It is well with my soul. When peace like a river attendeth my way, it is well with my soul. But there's another side to that. When sorrows like sea billows roll, you have taught me to say, Whatever my lot, you have taught me to say, Lord, It is what? It is well. It is well 
with my soul it is well. And I was thinking about that hymn and thinking, you know, that's not, uh, that's not a diagnostic statement. You know, the, the author of that hymn didn't turn around and look at his soul and say, hey, everything's going great with my soul. So let me just say to all of you, it's well with my soul. I don't know how you're doing. But as far as I'm concerned, everything's great back here. That's not what that hymn is, is it? He says, when there's peace like a river, when everything is going well, it's well with my soul. But when there's sorrows that are like waves of the ocean crashing over the bow of my ship, you know what? I get a choice. And I get to stand on the bow of that ship with the waves crashing in my face. And I get to set my jaw and lift my eyes and say and proclaim and protest, it is well. It is well with my soul. What I want to know this morning is where do you get the power to do something like that? We've been studying Psalm 40 verse by verse under this theme, unstuck. God knows that life gets hard and he gives us even in scripture language to talk about the broken places and to offer that lament, that sadness, that burden that's in our hearts where things are wrong. And as we've walked through verse by verse, thinking about how we need to be unstuck by the power of God, We've known that we're touching on deep emotional issues for many, and so we've partnered with our Christian counselors, and we put a hotline in the bulletin and on the website, and what I want you to know is people have been calling that hotline. People have been calling and getting help on things like depression and anxiety, on job loss and transition, on abusive relationships, on addiction to drugs and alcohol, and desiring recovery and a way out of that. People have been getting help help. And what I want you to know this morning is this, that even when that number isn't on the bulletin any longer, it's still there. And your church is a place to turn when you need help. And we'll hook you up with the people who can help you get unstuck. And as we walk through Psalm 40, knowing that we're all going to get into stuck places in life, it's taught us four things. Psalm 40 has taught us when you're in a stuck place, you've got to cry out to a God who hears you. That's the first thing. And then second, you've got to resist the temptation to withdraw. You've got to get with people. Do you remember that? You've got to get with others. You've got to get with people. And then third, last week, we learned that when you're in a stuck place, that might be the moment where you need to reconnect with your personal Savior, where you need to hook on to the saving power of Jesus, and you need to know and trust your Savior. Well, today's the fourth, and the fourth day, what we're going to learn is this, that when we're in a stuck place, we've got to in that place, the challenges, in that place, in that stuckness, in the, the pain, when the waves are billowing over the, the bow of the ship, we've got to find a way to nurture joy, to look for hope, to put our heads up and say it as well, and to stay positive, to stay positive, to hope in the Lord, the best is yet to come. Let me tell you something interesting about Psalm 40. Scholars don't know what category to put it in. 
What do I mean? Bible scholars, like all academics, they love categories. They love boxes, right? They like to put stuff in boxes so they can talk about it all at once. And with Psalm 40, they don't know what category to put this psalm in. Our 150 psalms are separated out by these scholars into all different types of psalms. We've got uh, praise psalms. We've got royal psalms. We've got lament psalms. We've got thanksgiving psalms. But with Psalm 40, the argument rages. Is it a lament psalm? Because it's got all this gritty, gutsy stuff in it where it's really honest about the, the broken places and the painful emotions. Is it a lament psalm or is it a salvation psalm? Because when I look in there, I'm seeing this power of God to change lives. There's a Savior who steps in and pulls somebody out of the mud and then you're giving praise to God. So is it a lament psalm or is it a salvation psalm? They can't agree. And so they write books against each other. And, and they write peer-reviewed journal articles just tearing each other's names down into the mud, you know? And they go to conferences and they argue back and forth and they shout each other, you're crazy, lament, get out of here. And then, you know, they throw their Hebrew Bibles at each other across the room. <laughs> oh, I'm not sure it gets that animated. But it's like, but it's like that yeah, because they just can't decide. And you know what? That's what I love about Psalm 40. Because this psalm is a little bit different. This is a turning point psalm. Things change. And, and right in the middle of it, you've got lament and pain and suffering and stuckness. And, and right next to it, you've got joy and salvation and the power of God. And the scholars say, no, 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 no. You've got to be one or the other. You're either in pain or you're in joy. And you've got to figure out which one you are. And in the middle of that, Psalm 40 steps up and says, no. There's a different way. There's a power of God to transform lives. A life can change. Things can turn. Situations can be different. God has the power to change a life. Sadness can turn to salvation. Lament can turn to joy. It's possible for a change to be made because God can do it. I don't know about you, but I need to know that this morning. I need to know that God has power to change a life. But Psalm 40 also says something else. By seating these these two categories right side by side, by mashing them together, Psalm 40 says, you know what? Even when you're in Christ, even when you've known the power of his salvation, life transformation, his spirit, even when you're a follower of Jesus and you love and trust him, you know what? You know what? Life's going to have pain. Life's going to be hard. And when you get stuck, you're going to need to know how to cry out to a God who hears and get with people and trust your Savior and keep your head up and stay positive and hope in the Lord. Let's get to these verses. Verse 14. May all who want to take my life be put to shame and confusion. May all who desire my ruin be turned back in disgrace. May all, isn't this a great speech, who say to me, aha, aha, don't you love that? Don't you love the Bible sometimes? I mean, you can talk to God like this. Did you know you could talk to God like this? He knows how to handle it. And, and you know what? You've got opponents in your life. 
Do you know this morning that you've got opponents in your life that you have? I know you're a good guy. You're a really good gal. But do you know what? You've got some enemies. And do you know that this morning? Let me see a couple heads go up and down. Because actually, I need to know that you know (laughs) that you've got enemies out there. Otherwise, you're going to leave these doors and you're going to get plowed right down. Because there are forces and there are people in this world that don't want what's best for you. They want what's worse for you. They don't want what's good for you. They want you addicted. They want you stuck. They want you deep in trouble. And they want it for their own good and for their own gain. And there are opponents in this world. And David, just real honestly, you know, he just says, Lord, you know what? I pray for all those people that are trying to trip me up, for all those people that are throwing mud, that when they throw the mud at me, that it'll stick on them. That when they're trying to lay these snares and trying to dig these holes to ruin my life and to capture me and and to make me fall in, I pray that they fall into that pit they made themselves. That that snare that they set gets wrapped around their own ankle and they fall head forward into it. That's what I pray for them. Man, isn't that honest? Isn't that honest? You know, there's people who say, aha, aha. They're always looking at the leader, looking, hey, what can I see? Looking for that slightest trip. They're watching for David to make that slightest trip and fall so they can, they can yell, aha, I told you so. What a terrible way to live. What a horrible spirit with which to go through your life. Let's move on. Verse 16. Verse 16, in fact, one of my favorite verses. Church, I just want to say this together. Verse 16 of Psalm 40. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who long for your saving help always say, the Lord is great. He says, yeah, there's trouble, and yeah, there's people that are against me, but Lord, my prayer is that anyone who turns to you in even the slightest way, my prayer is that anyone who turns for your help, who just has the slightest inclination to turn to you and say, Lord, help me, just opens the door the tiniest bit, my prayer is that your love and your light would just come flooding in to their lives, that just in cracking the barn door the slightest bit, that your light, Lord, may your light just come flooding in to their lives. May all who call on you be glad and rejoice and may all of them say the Lord is great may they all find that joy in their lives just by turning to you with the slightest seed of faith Lord that's my prayer you know what I'm reaching uh, I'm in my 20th year of ordination I have my 20th 20 years of ministry coming up in July never in my ministry in all my years of ministry I have never had a single person come to me and say I turned to Jesus and it was terrible I, I, I turn to God in my need and I am super disappointed because that God is no good. No, it's never happened. And you know why? It's because Jesus never fails. Life fails. Life disappoints. Pain is hard. Life can take twists and turns and things can get very disappointing very fast and you can feel very stuck. But Jesus, he never ever fails. And even when I don't feel it, I want to know it. I want to say it. And just like this psalm says, I want to be among the people who are always able to say, the Lord is what? He's great. He's great. Even when it's my protest call, when it's my resistance play, I'm going to say, the Lord is great.
And you know what this, this verse is telling us? Is that you have grounds for gladness. May all who turn to the Lord be glad and rejoice, to double over in joy, to respond with joy, to have joy and then double it, rejoice, you see? Be glad and rejoice. On what grounds? If you have nothing else in your life on which to stand and say, that makes me glad. If you've got nothing in your life that you can say, hey, life is beautiful. If you've got nothing else in your life that makes you able to rejoice today, you still have grounds to be glad and rejoice. And it's on this one single truth that is solid and never changes. Jesus never fails. And the Lord is, come on, great, great, which gets us to verse 17. As for me, I'm poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. Now the translations will say, but the Lord thinks of me, but the Lord thinks of me. You are my help and my deliverer. You are my God. Do not delay. I'll break that down for us in a minute. But I want to make this point very clearly. Is it possible for a life to change? (laughs) Is it possible for lament to turn to joy? Is it allowed for sadness to turn into saved? Is it it okay for darkness to, to, to come into light? Can a life change? Psalm 40 says yes. It says it can. And it says here's what it looks like. If it were to happen, it looks something like this. Like a soul that is stuck in the mud and and is in a pit of of mire. And everywhere he turns, every time this soul is trying to get out of it, every step he takes, he only gets deeper. He only slips. There's no traction. He can't get forward. And he's got nothing to hold on to, no help to to pull him out of that. He's got no resources to extract himself and move himself forward or out of the mud that he's in. But do you know what it looks like when God moves? It looks like this. It looks like the hands of the Savior reaching down and grabbing. And the hands of the Savior pulling and the lifting power of the Lord pulling that person up out of the mud out of the pit and to where their feet are set on a solid rock and the mud starts to slide off and there's a new song that goes into their heart a song that they can sing with joy so profound that when they sing it everyone around them is saying what is that how does that happen how can I find power in the Lord like that See, Psalm 40 says that's what it looks like when God changes a life. Do you believe it's possible? I was, uh, I was listening this week to a 45-minute testimony of a man named Tom Rot Lane. You can look it up on YouTube. He is a leader of uh, a communist uh, overthrow of the government of Ethiopia in the 1980s when he was 17. And they set up a Marxist regime, and then he became the prime minister. But he, he, he felt like Marxism wasn't working. And so he was going to change some things, and his own regime turned on him, threw him in jail. He was in jail for a dozen years. It's a long, I told you, it's a 45-minute testimony. And on and on it goes. And while he was in prison, a nurse handed him a small pamphlet, said three simple things. God loves you. Jesus can bring a new life. And then it had John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he looked at that. 
thought that's ridiculous. And three nights in a row, he had a vision of Jesus wake him up from his sleep, knock him out of his bed. And Jesus Christ himself, in a flood of light, explained the gospel to him and the power of forgiveness. And he gave his life to Christ. And he was released from prison. And now he's an international evangelist proclaiming the power of the forgiving grace of Jesus. Do you believe something like that can happen? That was only in 2012. Do you believe that something like that can happen today? See, it happened in my life, simpler terms. I I was not part of a communist overthrow of any nation. (laughs) But, But it happened in my life. When I was a saddened youngster and, and, and young life came and just proclaimed to me the good news, hey, God loves you, Jesus saved you, you should walk with Jesus. And the light of Christ came flooding in. Your life can change. Psalm 40 is a testimony that life can be different and you can know that power today, right now, because it's present in the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Is it possible for a life to change? Yes. And is it possible? Because Psalm 40 teaches us this too. Is it possible that after that transformation, that after meeting Christ, that after loving and following Jesus, is it possible that you could enter a time of pain and suffering and hardship? Is it possible that life could be hard for a follower of Jesus? Yes. It's possible. It's probable. It's guaranteed Jesus promised it to his disciples. Even after knowing him and walking with him, life gets hard. Is it okay to get into a place of, of, uh, of pain and struggle in the Christian life? Of course it is. Is it allowed for a Christian to suffer anxiety and depression and to seek help? Of course it is. We don't get to choose all that we experience in life and how hard and heavy it gets. But when that comes, don't be tempted to to fall back into a pit of despair. Don't be tempted to slide back into the mud in which you once were stuck. Lean forward and trust in the Lord. Cry out to a God who hears. Get with people. Believe in your Savior and keep your head lifted high. This is what gets us to Psalm 40, 17. But as for me, I'm poor and needy. And I'm just giving another translation for you. But the Lord thinks of me. As for me, I'm poor and needy, but the Lord thinks of me. See, I think what this is telling us is is to practice humble gratitude. See, after it's all said and done, I look back on this this register of how God changed things in my life, how God got me moving in my life, how things went up and down and God was faithful to me. At the end of the day, it's this kind of register of all of that. I say, as for me, you know what? I'm poor and I'm I'm nobody for the Lord to think of. I have no grounds on which to say, God, you really ought to take care of this. I've got a lot going here. And you ought to, you know, God, you ought to, you, you really should respond because don't you know who I am? I've got none of that. You see, I'm poor and I'm needy. But you know what? The Lord thinks of me. And he is my help. And he is my deliverer. And I don't have any reason or rationale or argument to make sense of that. 
But all I can do is say thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your grace, your mercy, and your care. We live from a place of gratitude. Even when you're in a stuck place, when you're in a pit, you live from a place of gratitude. I'm telling you, it's your protest. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's your protest play. It's your resistance play. You give thanks. For the Lord is great. Joyce Meyer, the Bible teacher, she said, summarizing Psalm 40, we must learn, she says, this is what Psalm 40 teaches me. We must learn to resist descending into the pit of depression where we are at the mercy of the tormentor of our souls who is determined to totally destroy us and our witness for Christ. What do we have to learn? You have to learn to resist. When you're in the pain, when you're in the stuck, you have to learn to resist descending into the pit of despair. And how do you do it? You do it by giving thanks with gratitude, by staying positive, by lifting your head. Is there pain in the life of a believer? You bet there is. Is there hardship in the life of a follower of Christ? You bet there is. Are you going to get, even with Jesus, to a place of, of stuckness and suffering? I guarantee it. And so you say, well, what's the difference then? Why should I do this whole Jesus gig if the rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous alike? Why should I even know Jesus? Well, that's the answer to the question right there. You get to know Jesus when you give your life to him. And when you're going through the pain and the suffering in the deep valley, he's right there with you. And he's walking and he's holding you and he's keeping you steady and strong. Are you stuck? Do you feel stuck? Me too sometimes. When you get there, friends, church, please, resist the pit where the tormentor of your souls wants to have open sway on your life. Look up to God. Cry out to a God who hears. Get with people. Get with people. Trust your Savior. And look up and be positive. I want to tell you a story of Levi Lusco. He's a pastor up in, in Montana. And a few years ago, um, he lost his daughter, five years old. She died of a sudden asthma attack. They had no idea she had asthma. She died there on their kitchen floor uh, five days before Christmas. Levi is a pastor. He's supposed to stand up and proclaim the goodness of the Lord. So from that time, he has written and, and talked about what it means and what it looks like to trust Jesus again after something like that. And you know what he said? He said, it's not easy. It's not easy. He said, I open the Bible and the Bible tells me not to be surprised when you go through hard times. I, I didn't have a false expectation. The Bible said it was going to be hard. And the Bible, I open it up and it says, don't, don't be surprised when fiery trials come your way as though something strange were happening to you because you ought to expect it. Life is hard. And the Bible tells me that in these sufferings, I'm supposed to do something that just seems out of this world. I'm supposed to rejoice in my sufferings. Are you kidding me? 
And he said, that is not easy. In fact, it's a war. And here's what Levi wrote. He said, this is the war. Every moment of every day, we must make the all-important choice of whether we will rely on the naked eye. Will we trust only what we can see is there, or will we believe what God says is there? It's a decision we are continually confronted with. You see, even after knowing and loving and trusting and serving Jesus, pain comes. And when you're in that stuck place, you decide, do I only believe what I see? Or will I trust what God has promised? Cry out to a God who hears. Get with people. Trust your Savior and keep your head up. Stay positive. Find hope. In Jesus, the best is yet to come. Thanks for listening to the First Prez Podcast. If you would like more information, you may visit our website at firstprezcos.org.